Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Ace Deadgate. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. You can do that on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok as well. We are uh, trying to get hip with the youths. The dust has settled on the January transfer window. Uh, We came to you Sunday and kind of knew some of what was going on with Spurs, but um, now we have the full picture. Uh, We are into the month of February. January is is in the rearview mirror, as they say, and uh, we've got weirdly plenty to talk about because Tottenham were very busy on the final day of the transfer window on Monday. Uh, I've got Caroline and Dakota who were not able to be with me on Sunday with me today. Let's start by throwing it out to our man Dakota at Dakota J Booth on Twitter. How are you this evening, my friend? Uh, I'm good, man. I'm really pleased with what we got done on Sunday. Um, all the announcements and all the outgoings, and yeah, just really pleased. I think it's going to be a a really fun uh, back end of the season, and um, just excited for what these two guys can bring to our squad. We're going to definitely get into all of that and uh, talk about all the outgoings because there were, I think, more outgoings than I even realized there were going to be. Uh, Caroline is with us as well, at CG Stefko on Twitter. Caroline, how are you this evening? I'm very good. I'm relieved that the transfer window is over so that Twitter won't feel like the bad place anymore. But yeah, <laughs> same with Dakota. I feel really good about you know the business that the club did and... Um, just not too long before we started recording this, uh, one of our new signings, Rodrigo Bentancur, scored a goal for Uruguay within you know a minute of the match starting. So he's going to be in good form coming into the team. So that's awesome. That is awesome. And did you say Twitter's no longer going to be the bad place? Is that even possible? Well, I mean, is- it'll be like the decently bad place <laughs> okay i was gonna say i thought twitter was just a cesspool no matter what so that that was i was i was excited but no the, the reality is here twitter twitter will always it's be a not bad on place. fire anymore yeah well give it another 12 hours i'm sure something will happen to where it will be <laughs> let's be honest this is this is a brave new uh, post 2020 world that we're living in so i'm sure that'll happen uh, Scott is supposed to be with us this evening as well. Uh, he is apparently, I don't know, running across the street to grab a beer and he's going to be with us at some point during this recording. So we'll let him chime in when he gets here. Most people keep their refrigerators in their kitchen. Yeah, it's true. Scott does what Scott does, I guess. Yeah, that is, that is the Scott of it all, but, uh, we'll get some of Scott's opinions and thoughts on, uh, 
what all went down before we get to you know to talking about the outs let's talk about the ins because we kind of talked a little bit about these guys on sunday but obviously as i mentioned before neither of you guys were able to be with me on sunday uh for the pod we had kind of the the, the other crew we'll call them the b team because they won't listen to this uh now that i've got the a team here dakota tell me about uh kulisevsky and and benson core and you know your excitement for for the the juventus duo coming into spurs yeah um you know i'm i'm not gonna sit here and act like i know everything about these two guys because i don't um however i do feel like i know maybe a little bit more than some spurs followers um just because i'm inundated with soccer all the time i I don't have any other hobbies so this is it uh so i i think that Kulisevsky is going to add a lot of dynam- dynamism to our attack. I unfortunately think it kind of hints back to more of a uh, 3-4-3 rather than a 5-3-2. Um, but he does have some tools that can let him play in that midfield. Um, so it's going to be another option for for Conte. Um, he physically, the way he runs and carries himself and Andrew, I'm stealing this a little bit, but I had this thought before I listened to another podcast today. Um, reminds me of Kevin De Bruyne, the way he carries himself and runs and uh, can be physical. So I'm excited for him, but I'm more excited for Benton Core because what he adds into our midfield is something that is what we've been missing for let's call it the last two years. Um, I think he's going to really solidify what we need. And he is the, the perfect Conte box to box midfielder who we've really been missing. We've been asking Oliver skip to do that. And that's not necessarily his strong suit. So I'm more excited for Benton core. Even though I think Kulisevsky is going to uh, make us more fun to watch than we have been. (laughs) Caroline, which of these two players are you more, most excited for? I mean, I, I kind of echo Dakota sentiments in that, you know, before this last week, I didn't really know too terribly much about either of these guys, but obviously we've read up and we've, we've learned a little bit uh, in the last handful of days. Yeah, I would have to agree that I'm probably most excited about Benton just because, you know, my foremost concern with the transfer window, knowing that we were going to be sending so many of our midfield players out was just that we had to bring somebody in um, for the midfield. So, you know, he, (laughs) I feel like I I don't know much about these players. I'll be like totally honest. I hardly ever watch Juventus unless it's like a champions league game, but I'm, I feel confident that Paratici and Conte brought them in for a reason and obviously, Pratici, you know, knows both of these guys firsthand from when he was at Juventus. So it, I feel like it can only be a positive that they're coming into the team and they're going to be actually contributing, whereas the players that we let go just just weren't doing anything, <laughs> frankly. Yeah, even minutes wise, we're not even. Yeah, I think we're losing, you know, under Conte, I think we're losing maybe like a total of less than. Uh, like 500 minutes between the the four guys that we've sent out on loan uh, slash sold in in Delhi. So yeah, we're we're replacing guys that we weren't using, which is a 
a net positive. Agreed. Yeah, it's interesting. You you guys brought up you know the the fact that this is probably someone you know a pair of players rather that that Paratici just brought in from Juventus because he's familiar with them, and I think that's almost like that's been stuck in my brain the last few days since we learned about these guys because you know up until late last week even i mean the two players that spurs everyone thought that we we're going to sign were adama Traore and luis diaz and obviously Traore goes to, to barcelona on a loan uh and and diaz ends up signing with with liverpool and these two guys just kind of materialized out of thin air almost and i don't know that for sure that's speculating on my part maybe there was some kind of you know heavy groundwork done uh, on 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 Paratici bringing in these two guys but to me i'm not saying these felt like panic buys i feel like that's an extreme but it, they almost felt like just okay well we're gonna spend some money this january let's spend it on these two guys because these are the guys left over that you know we, we struck out on the first two we really wanted and now you know almost there's a scramble and Parachi knows these guys and they're available and let's, let's just go make those happen. Is, is there any, you know, am I being like too conspiratorial? Am I crazy for thinking that? Go ahead, Dakota. I, I think the weirdly enough, the deal with Vlahovic was kind of the domino that made all of this go into place. Sure. Um, I, I think, yeah, we definitely had our, had our targets. I, I know everyone has reported that Adama was one of our top targets from day one. I just not, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't, <laughs> I don't believe that that's true. Um, and I think Diaz, you know, Liverpool came and swept in at the, at the 11th hour. And I think it's because they got wind of what we were doing, what we were doing. Um, and they, they had him earmarked for the, for the summer, uh, all signs are pointing to. So I think when Vlahovic signed for Juventus, Obviously, Paratici just came from there. He knows their situation. So he saw an opportunity to go, you know, go give them some money that they really needed to to make this deal happen and kind of swoop in and get some guys that maybe weren't as valued uh, or properly valued by Juventus. Um, you know, Kulisevsky apparently is Paratici's, like, that's his guy. He, he wants him wherever he goes and he wants him to succeed. So uh, he's going to bring one. And then the, the deal that we were able to work for Benton core is absolutely incredible value. Um, I mean, we're paying, what is it like in the 20, in the twenties, 20 millions um, for him over a period of three years, which is just, it's, it's nuts for a player of that quality and for a player that is such a square peg in such a square hole for this Antonio Conte system um, is just, it's a no brainer. It is, I think well, a little bit. Dan and if Levy-esque. I can piggyback off of that, Dakota, we know how difficult it can be to make a good sensible deal like that in the January window. And for me, I feel okay with us making these kind of smart deals rather than going for, you know, say the flashy, you know, big spending player that a lot of the fans were hoping for. Um, Cause I, I think they're thinking long-term now. They, they don't want to be in the same situation that we had with like Ndombele and La Celso where we splashed the cash and they ended up being a disappointment. So I feel like the fact that we're being sensible right now means that we can be 
you know, looking forward to the summer window. And then that could be when we make our big move. Yeah. I mean, I, I heck, I should hope so too. Guys, I want to, I want to bring Scott into this conversation. Scott's joined us and I'm going to hit Scott right out of the gate with kind of like the, the, the tail end of my, this is where I start to, I guess, declare on the podcast that I am becoming, um, Paratici curious, Paratici skeptical. I'm not like Paratici out at all, by any stretch. I'm not like I'm not getting getting there at all. I'm not I'm not close to the ledge. Don't get me wrong, but I'm starting to become a little Paratici questioning, if you will, um, because just because of the way this window went down and 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 you know we kind of just brought it up. Like were these just fly by the by night deals that just came up in in at the last second, or was this something that was well thought out and Scott, this is my long interlude to say we didn't really, it seems like, address massive holes in the club, in the, mm-hmm. in the, in the team with these two moves. We kind of just went and got guys, one who may or may not be somewhat surplus, one who, you know, the midfielder, Betancourt, I, I think, I, don't, I wouldn't call him surplus, but like it seemed like, you know, Spurs had a pretty, have a pretty decent thing going with this midfield. And, you know, if Betancourt is going to come in here for Skip or Hoybier or, you know, even Winks has been playing well. That seems like a, a strange move. So I guess my question to you is, d- does it seem like Paratici is getting the job done in terms of targeting areas of need? Or does it feel like these two buys were just kind of because they were there? I think these are absolutely fantastic buys. Um, and I don't I don't mean to be so aggressively opposite of viewpoint, but I- I'll tell you why. I think, first of all, a January transfer window when you need five positions, best of luck you get which of those five you can accomplish based on who's available it's not so much i'm getting the center back i'm getting the center mid it's who's available in these five needs let's make the best decision in any combination of these five positions based on who's available in january right the center mid is crucial like we have literally been bypassing the midfield for a year or plus as a club it's terrible like we cannot survive off pinging long balls it kills you. Like it's, it, it basically keeps the game on a knife's edge, right? We had to have a ball progressing midfielder. Bentinger is going to play quickly. And I'm certain of that because of very one, one very specific reason. Gio, Tongi and Delhi all left. Like Bentinger was brought into play. He had to, he had to, have been, right? There's no other option. Bentinger will play alongside Skip very effectively in my opinion. Um, I think he will probably end up starting above Hoybier pretty quickly. And next to Skip. Um, and then on the Kulusevsky piece, it's interesting because Juventus really wanted him, right? He he was at, I think, Sassuolo or one of those like mid-table Serie A clubs. Dakota will probably be able to help me out here. Wherever he came from, right, he was, he was highly... I think solid. he came from Parma, wasn't that right? Parma, thank you. Palermo, yeah, Parma, he was, yeah. Like Atalanta as a kid and then uh, spent a year on loan at Parma where he lit it he up. Parma, thank you, Parma. And yes. then Juventus and that's why Juventus said, yeah, that's why Juventus went after Let him. us have him. Yeah, and so essentially what I'm getting at is every 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 substantial club in Italy wanted this guy, right? Everybody goes to Juventus. If everybody wants you in Italy, it's obvious, right? He ended up at Juventus. I watched his debut, scored a fucking banger, like a banger. It was from outside the box, beautiful finish after a really tight dribble through some some space uh, or through traffic rather. Um, 
but he plays he plays the exact role as son on the opposite side of the field. And I'm not saying he's good as son at all. Right. He's got a long way to go to get there, but he plays the same role as son on the opposite side of the field. He's left footed. He can invert just like son can on the left side of the field. But, and I think these two are going to slot really nicely behind Kane. Um, so he's, he's a little bit more of a question mark for me, right? Benteker is a spot on absolute brilliant buy for what we needed and he'll play quickly. Kulisevsky's, you know, a little bit more of a punt, but as Dakota said, Paratici seems to be a huge fan of this kid. Um, and then I think as far as Paratici goes, I mean, all we got to do is look at what he did at Juventus, which was take a club who had really just been flipped on its ass and had to rebuild from, from nothing, right. From scratch. And granted it, I shouldn't say from scratch because it, it was able to keep Pavel Nedved and Gigi Buffon and Pirlo to come play in Serie B and rebuild the program for them. Right. But but still, he had to get them back to competing after all their financials had been taken from them, right? Juventus had to operate off freeze, you know, um, older guys. Like, but before, and this isn't Pratici, but this is Conte. Prior to Conte, and I've shared this with you guys, you know, some conversations with my buddy Juve Dave, but there is no Marquisio without Conte. There's no world-class Vidal without Conte. Um, Benteker is a guy that Conte had his eye on before Benteker became a part of this setup, right? Full circle back to Conte's team. Um, uh, Pirlo was fizzling out. Conte came in, made him a world-class midfielder again. Like, it's a real thing. All that to be said, Conte can work with that type of player. Paratiti is very good at bringing that type of player in. Paratiti and Conte are close. They did wonders at Juventus. Like, I just want to let these two do their thing right now. That, you know? That's where that's where though I still kind of I push back a little bit because I I hear all this talk about Paratici and the wonders he did at Juventus, but he it's Juventus like that's the club that's supposed to win Serie A every year. And go ahead, Dakota. You think so now because they won nine in a row. Mm-hmm. They were like kind of mediocre before that. They were in seventh place when Conte came in. Um, I guess my point is this guy has, has done some, some, some things. I'm not, I'm not denying that. I'm not saying he's trash. I just, I am not seeing, I I think the biggest thing for me is, and we identified two players, however we identified them. And they were in two positions that weren't the most desperate of needs. You say Benton core is a, is a crucial need for this midfield, but this midfield has been playing pretty goddamn well with the likes of skip Hoybier and winks in it. But that's you all know, there is. I understand. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't been that great, dude. And Even I have though. to no. say, after almost every game, don't we all say we still need more creativity? We still need more Certainly. goals. So ball I, I was number one for me. Sorry, Caroline. That was number one need for me. Was a ball progressor. Yeah, and I think that that's really what Conte and Paratici must have agreed upon because you know, looking back at our recent games if you take the Chelsea games out of it, like we've still been very strong defensively. So to me, this reads as them taking a gamble on us, not having any more major defensive injuries um, and just allowing (laughs) them to focus on other areas of the squad. I mean, it's a big gamble. It is, (laughs) but um, it could pay off if, you know, Benton ends up being a big contributor to the midfield. And and I guess the the idea is that Kulisevsky can maybe back up as a striker, as at least as a center forward as well. Plus, you'll potentially have have Sun yes. 
in that That's... role, potentially Bergvine. So I guess there are options if if and when Kane decides his ankle gets turned, which seems to happen every year, knock <laughs> yeah. on wood. That's that the other part again. of it. That yeah. It seems like Conte is identifying, you know, other players within the forward line that he thinks can pitch in a striker in a pinch. Again, so he, he's decided that we don't need another striker. I don't know if that was the right decision. Y'all know my feelings on it, but or or if there was the are. right one available for this window. I'm not that arguing too. that I'm not arguing that January is an easy window to get things yeah. done. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this team really wanted a right wing back. Well, it has two right wing backs right now. Well, it has one right wing back. It has one other right back. Um, we'll see how how that meshes and how the how those play together same on the left side you've got kind of one left wing back who's very inexperienced and then a left back who's playing pretty well but then they didn't also add to the center back stall which is you know we've seen how well it was held down with Romero out and Dyer stepping in and Sanchez playing on the right but when Dyer went down that unit really looked you know looked astray so I I'm not saying he could have gotten all of these things done or that four or five buys was the minimum. I'm just saying that I'm Paratici curious right now. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it with eyebrow raised a little bit because even the buys, even though the buys seem familiar and seem good for him, they don't even really seem like they were well-targeted position by position. It seems like these all just came together in the final days and, Oh, we can, we can get these guys. Let's get these guys. Not saying they're not good players. Not saying I'm not excited to have them. Just saying it, the way the whole thing played out over the month, it seemed it's got, it's got my eyebrow going up is all that's, that's, uh, I think the biggest thing. Honestly, I, I, you, Dakota said this, you can't lose Dyer and Romero at the same time. If you don't, if that doesn't happen, you're fine. What we did this window was get in what we needed to push for top four secure top four, continue to fix all of our problems. And Conte's our manager. Like it's, it's very doable, right? We did what we needed to do. We got a ball progressor. If you don't progress the ball, you're fucked. It will harm you. Like we got our ball progressor in Kulisevsky. If, if, if they want their passion project, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a reason for it, but we got our ball progressor in. We'll re, we'll continue this in the summer. Um, and, and honestly, a huge piece of this too Conte is going to want to – my mom's calling me. Mom, you're going to listen to this. I'll call you back. I <laughs> All right. <laughs> love that. I, live on the pod. Oh, uh, mom, love you. No, but Conte is going to want a tight squad because he's trying to build something here. And you can't do that with a big squad because you have too many people who are pissed. Like Conte did it – or Poch did it. He said, I got, I have like seven we, – we got rid of like seven guys and brought in like one in one of his windows. And the whole world was in panic mode. And then we went and did the unthinkable, right? Like you can't have a bunch of guys who are pissed that they're not playing enough if you're trying to build something. Like, and so that's that's a huge piece of this too. Like, everyone's like, we lost Delhi, we lost Gio, we lost Tongi. None of those guys have anything to fucking do with our squad ever. And Brian Heal is not like whatever, dude. Brian Heal's move to Valencia is fantastic. Like, it's exactly what he needs right now. Yeah, he's not playing over Bergvine. He's not playing over Sun. He's not playing over Lucas. Like, go get some good minutes, right? So Scott obviously wasn't here at the beginning of the show when we did the sorry. rundown, and, and no, no, and, and sorry, and you're jumping the gun a little bit. But we're gonna get to outs, but I hear you. Go ahead, Dakota. But yeah, I was gonna touch on it. That's that is probably the more important thing that we did this this window is move yeah, those guys on and and you know we moved we moved delhi on in the way that we had to right newcastle came in they wanted a loan 
we gave him to Everton. And this is so, so like smart, really from both sides. We get paid when he's played 20 games. The max that he can play this season is 18, which means essentially it's a loan to buy, but they, they can't loan him because they have too many loaned in players. So super smart from both sides gets a huge wage off the, off the wage bill. Leon is paying almost all of Tongi's wages off the wage bill. Uh, Villarreal until, until until the summer when they send him back to to Hotspur away, and then we're gonna ship him off somewhere else. Although who for, knows by that like, time by that time his favorite Mauricio Pochettino could be back in 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 Hotspur away as well. Who knows? No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Too much no. speculation. Let's I'm kidding. We'll be at all track. Just kidding. We're just kidding. Uh, so yeah, so he's gonna be shipped out. Villarreal is paying most of Gio's wages. Gone off the like we we've it when everyone is shipped out that has been loaned out except for Brian Heel he's coming back he has to come back. Um, you know, when, you, when I, I I actually don't think I like I was being tongue in cheek about Pochettino. I'm not really being that tongue in cheek about Tongi and Dombele. I I can't see a scenario in which Leon pays him. They're not going to pay the 65 mil, but that is just, that that's letting the big clubs know this is what we would take for him in the summer. And he's probably not even going to go for that 40, maybe. Um, but when we, when all of those wages are gone, we've got 400,000 pounds per week to throw at Paulo Dybala to get him to come. <laughs> okay. That's enough. Play, enough for, play for Spurs. This but is- we, we've, we're, it's it's incredibly smart and it's setting it, it's doing what we are so good at doing as a club and it's setting ourselves up for the future and i get that people are tired of waiting and hearing that wait for the future but the future is is here because we have antonio conte and this window at the very least should show you that this club is determined to back Antonio Conte with what he wants. And that is much more shown in the outs than the ins. So, so let's, let's break these. We've kind of, we've talked about the ins. Let's break down these outs in kind of three different categories. I want to start by talking and we can kind of mostly brush over these guys because they're all younger youth players, but Mark and day goes to Blackburn. Uh, Jack Clark goes to Sunderland who in turn fire their manager right away, which is a weird bit, but okay. Uh, and then now John goes to Charlatan, which I think is uh, of the three of those kind of youth loans. That's the one I'm most excited about. Cause I think now John is, you know, from everything I've read about him is a really talented player. And I think that that could be a really good move for him. I, I don't know that there's a ton to say about these three in terms of outs, their, their loan moves for, for youth players development or whatever. I don't know what the deal is with Jack Clark. That, that seems like, you know, everyone knows the story about there. And that seems like one that, could that could play out like the Cameron Carter Vickers thing seven years down the road? Who who freaking knows? Um, the other one to kind of put in its own category, and you mentioned it, is the Brian Heel one to Valencia. This one is, I think, also fairly simple. Go get him back in Spain um, and developing still, and you know he'll come back to us in the summertime, and we'll see where you know where he's at and kind of 
where plans go from there in terms of working him into the squad or the team itself. Any anyone have anything to say specifically on, you know, either the youth players or Brian Heal? Because I think those two are pretty self-explanatory, Caroline, right? Yeah. With the youth players, I think it's also notable that Conte wanted to keep Harvey White in the squad. He elected not to let him go Bingo. out on loan. So he's obviously, you know, putting some faith in in Harvey White. So I'm sure we'll we'll continue seeing him on the bench, at least for some of our matches, um, possibly playing in cup games. We'll see. But with Brian Hill, I I saw a lot of people complaining about the fact that he went back to La Liga for his loan instead of staying with a Premier League team. But personally, I don't have a problem with it. I think he might not have been quite ready to come to England like on a just a personal level, I think it'll be good for him to be back in Spain for a year close to his family. You know, he can work on his English, like just, you know, get ready to come back to England and really be ready to go. Yeah, it's it's interesting you mentioned the the personal aspect of it because I think I there I know there was a report that that was kind of part of the impetus for sending him back to Spain was that he wasn't comfortable and he wasn't adjusting well to learning English and those kinds of things. And then he kind of replied to it on i think it was on instagram on one of his social medias and and was kind of like raising a curious eye to that report almost like almost like refuting it but not fully refuting it it was kind of vague to me right yeah i think it was you know he it's not that he's unhappy at tottenham i think that the squad has really welcomed him but it's just a matter that he is a young player and it's going to take time for him to be comfortable and you know, I, I get the argument that it would have been in some ways good for him to stay in England for his loan because it is a different style of game in England versus Spain. But I the way I see it is that we weren't going to loan him out to a direct rival. And yeah. some of the lower teams that are in this relegation battle, like, would he even be guaranteed minutes? Like, are they going to put their trust in a kid? I don't know. So if he gets regular minutes at Valencia, then I think it's a win-win. Yeah, I would hope so too. And I would also hope that when he comes back in the summer, he's got maybe like 15 to 20 more pounds of muscle on him because I think that's another big element of this is like, yeah, the game in Spain is different than the game in England. And uh, you need a little bit more muscle on you, bud, to to push people around in England. It's that's I think that's yeah. a, a part of he'll it. He'll have too. had the wake up call though. I think he'll know that. <laughs> I hope he keeps his 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 Beatles Bob though when he comes back to England because that <laughs> that's you know, that's what I want to see. Maybe, maybe if he can fix the mustache and just keep the hairdo. I don't know. We we should have sent him to Bayern because they know how to beef up wingers, right? <laughs> yeah. It hasn't yeah. worked yet for Musiala. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, the other the other kind of two that we can I think lump together here, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I think we lumped them together, but there's obviously they're obviously two totally different cases, and that's Ndombele and the Celso. Ndombele goes back to Lyon. You mentioned it, um, and we talked a little bit about it already. But Lacelso to Villarreal, the the Lacelso one if I'm not mistaken is a loan, but, but will be, you know, will be made permanent. Um, and then the Indomably one is a straight loan. We kind of talked about that. It's, it's one of those that's, they're, they're not going to pay the, the 60, what is it? 60 and a half million or something. 65, pounds, 65 million. What we, pounds. Pay, what we paid for him. Right. I, I can't I can't imagine they would, they would pay close to that, but we'll get perhaps something from them in the summer or someone else. But I guess Scott, like the, the two of these guys and their tenure coming to an end at Spurs like this in kind of a kind of a thud after they were both bought a couple of years ago. Like, 
is this just one of those these two players didn't work out situations did did spurs do something wrong to me it honestly it's weirdly enough it kind of just goes back to firing pochettino when they did and like it seems like these were two guys that were really going to come in and kick on um you know under pochettino and then ever since he's left it, it kind of has you know gone poorly for them yeah you know i think i do definitely think they were both brought in as a pseudo musa dembele replacement right um obviously Tongi much more than Gio. I think Gio was always probably brought in to be a little bit more advanced under Poch, whatever. It doesn't matter. But I think I'll touch on both of them quick. With Gio, it, 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 it just didn't work. You know, he seems he seemed to be playing really well in Spain before he came to England. It, it could just be the style of, of, of game. You know, the physicality has really beat his body up. Um I think in Spain you have a little bit more of an ability to play in a box-to-box capacity, which he does really well too. You know, he was scoring goals at Betis before he came to Spurs regularly enough, and so I, th- I think it'll suit his game better. I also kind of think he's a kind of a shithead. Is is kind of just the 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 vibe that I'm getting from him towards the end, right? So whatever, man. See ya. Tongi's um, interesting one for me because I think. If, if we had any intention of him leaving, like you all have alluded to, it would have been like a 19 mil. That feels about right. Like a 19 mil buyout clause, 20 mil somewhere in there, maybe like 17, some weird, some weird deal. Right. Um, but he's coming back. No, no way Leon's paying that. And I, my gut says, first of all, Tongi knows it's make or break time. Become world-class or literally fizzle out your choice. And we've looked at Delhi, right. And I think he's been in a similar situation. But Tongi's a little bit younger, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, but ultimately, I think if I'm if I'm Tongi and I know it's make or break time, a move back home where I'm very comfortable, where I can even go see my mom for dinner, like whatever it is. Like he's probably not from Leon, right? I'm just I'm this is a dramatic effect, but like he's going back home, right, to Leon. Just go back, settle down, play your football, get back to basics, like know that you're welcome at Tottenham at the end of this loan and show us what you maybe have learned from this opportunity, you know, or maybe Tottenham is not in your plans, whatever, but like you're welcome back after this loan and you are going to have an opportunity to become part of the, the plans, but this kind of make or break. Right. And so if I'm Tongi, I'm asking for a loan. I almost, this is me totally speculating, but I wouldn't be surprised if he was even involved in getting back to Lyon on loan, right? Like if you're going to loan me out, let's talk about where I can go back and benefit from this and, and be comfortable and, tr- and try to figure this out. Right. Because he would know he's good. Um, so that'll be interesting because I actually think, I think Conte maybe has a view to bring Tongi back into his plans after this loan, but we'll see. He needs, he just needs to go play football, be comfortable, be happy and strip it back to basics and just, uh, you know, whatever. Tonki, by the way, is uh, only about eight months younger than Delhi, so really? both are both are twenty five. Um, Dakota, I, I I think in in kind of summing up what Scott said right there, and 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 meshing it with my feelings, it feels to me like the Lacelso one was more about who he is off the field than on the field, because I think on the field he was he was really quite damn good at times for Spurs when he got his chances, and with Tongi, it seemed like more of obviously we saw flashes from Tongi being really brilliant, but. For the most part, it was it was working less on the field than it was even off. Um, 
is that is that a fair assessment of of the way it went for these two guys or or was it just a a kind of a cataclysmic failing from the club to to get these guys to where they needed to be yeah i mean i think it could be a reflection of how it is obviously none of us know those guys personally so we can't really accurately speak to that um however i think it is very interesting that of all of the outgoing players everyone you know wished spurs well and thanked them for being around with the exception of giovanni lacelso um who yeah. also did it's almost, did it's almost not- like tom it's almost like tom brady retiring and not thanking the new england patriots <laughs> which would never happen right uh, <laughs> a- <laughs> um geo also did not look happy in his uh via i was just gonna say that <laughs> uh he's like i gotta be here um so yeah i don't i don't know what it is about geo um all the argentinians seem to really like him um so yeah i don't i don't know if that's a a cultural thing cultural difference if he maybe just comes off a little more cold shoulder but i it it kind of based on those things and some reports that came out definitely seems like they're Maybe is something there. Um, but again, I don't know him personally. We don't know for sure. With Tongi, it, it seemed like he never really got settled. And for me, I can boil that down to Mauricio Pochettino being fired months into him being into London. I think Pochettino was probably who convinced him to come. I think he was very much a player that Pochettino is going to take under his wing. I mean, Mauricio said he's going to need 18 months before he's ready to actually go play. And, uh, you know, he was gone three months into his tenure at, as a Spurs player. So, and then you have someone like Jose Mourinho coming in who is not going to take someone under, under his wing and nurture them and be, his, be their dad away from home to make sure that they feel comfortable in a spot. I think... Let me say, I think Jose Mourinho is probably an incredible person. I think he is probably a a really wonderful person. As a coach, I don't think he is the type of coach to do that. Um, So, yeah, I think think the Tongi situation boils down to Mauricio Pochettino not being his coach. And uh, I think Antonio Conte, in, in his early years, the first time he was in the Premier League, we probably would have fell more in the in the Jose Mourinho category, but it seems, and I'm basing a lot of this off of his uh, his reaction to the COVID breakout at Spurs. He seemed very protective of his players and their families, not just his players. So uh, I he seemed Pochettino like in that moment. I thought exactly that. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, I, I I think it's a kind of a risky move to bring Tongi back at this point, just because of how tumultuous it's been over the last couple of years, but I, I all, I wouldn't be surprised really either way um, because Conte does kind of seem like he would maybe want to, to invest in a player like Tongi. However, if Tongi doesn't reciprocate that, he'll ship you to wherever for well, zero pounds. And that's exactly why I think, Tongi has a view back to Conte's plans because Conte and Paratici would have gotten a feasible deal done to get Tongi out of the club definitively if we wanted that to happen. Like, I truly believe that. Um, and you guys, no one, and I mean you guys, but I like 
you can't tell me using the phrase right there, right? That Tongi Nambele can't be exactly the ball progressor that this formation has been missing. Like it, that's the weirdest part to all of this is like, he should be a deep midfielder. Dakota's always advocated for that. I've said no, but that's not because I don't think it's like the right move. I just haven't seen it. Right. But like, he should be a deep midfielder. He should be progressing the ball both with his passing abilities and his ability to break lines with the ball at his feet. It just hasn't worked. But if I'm Conte, if I wanted him out, I would have, I would have only assumed that would have been done in a feasible way. Right. And I just look at his ability to progress the ball next to somebody like a skip. And I can't, I can't imagine Conte is like, I just want one more chance, but I can't be the guy to literally like invest half of my life into fixing this situation Let's send him back to Leon where he's comfortable, probably very close with staff, whatever, right? Let him get sorted out and try to try this again, like almost redo this, redo a move back to Spurs under Conte because the dude's fucking so good. Like, I just can't imagine a world where Conte was like, yeah, never mind. I'm not interested in like that talent at all, you know? Just yeah. no way. You know, it's so interesting. I mean, you're, you're spot on about Tongi. I mean, we all saw the raw talent that he just has in the midfield on the ball. I mean, that he, he, he is everything a ball progressor. So good. You know, everything you could want in a ball progressor, especially it seems like in this Conte system. But for whatever reason, it just it has been. And 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 I think Dakota's spot on. You, you just trace it back to when Pochettino was exactly. was, was canned, yeah, and that's on. kind of when it all started to get really weird. It, it's it's interesting in hearing you guys talk about the potential for him to cut to to make a way back to the club. It's not really something that I had thought about until you guys just started bringing it up. I think the 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 even more surprising thing for me though, and Caroline, I want to get your thoughts on this, is the kind of weird heel turn that a guy like Lacelso took, especially in the last week, where I think I don't think anyone realized that he is perhaps potentially, I guess I'll use the word allegedly here, perceived as an asshole. Um, because I, you know, I don't know him from Adam and, and I don't know this for sure, but all the reports are kind of that he was, he's, he's an ass and it, it just wasn't working personally at the club. Whereas I thought, you know, this guy looks pretty good when he gets on the field. Let's, let's see more of that. What are your thoughts on his heel turn? And then, you know, touch on Ndombele as well. And just how, how that whole thing has panned out. I honestly can't explain this sort of sudden change in Lacelso because you're right. I don't think we ever saw any hint of that earlier in his tenure at Spurs. So it, it took me by surprise. And the only way that I can think of it coming about is that Conte just really did not favor him and had made that clear. And Lacelso didn't see a way back into the team. That's, that's the only way that I can see him being so suddenly just over it. Um, and I'm sure it is frustrating for him because we know that he's been very successful with the Argentine national team. So it's, it's not that he's not a capable player and he was probably feeling like, you know, my talents aren't valued here. I it's all just speculation, but I think it's a good thing for him in the end that he got his move away. And I think he'll be much happier, you know, at Villarreal. Well, maybe, I don't know. Like Dakota said, he didn't really seem thrilled about it. <laughs> uh, he, he's just a, a mercurial one, I guess. Yeah, but, it's an it's an odd one for sure. What, you know, what about what about with Ndombele though? Yeah, I kind of had the same reaction that you just did. That until Scott had said that so confidently that he believes Ndombele is going to come back, it did not even occur to me. 
I, I kind of had this feeling that he was in the same uh, situation as LaCelso, that the club is just ready to cut ties with them. Um, now that, you know, Scott and Dakota have kind of worked through that, I, I can see it. But I still think he has a lot of proving to do. Um, but it did it did make me think that perhaps with Delhi, you know, the club kind of made a mistake letting it go so long, um, not giving him an opportunity to go out on loan. I think sure. with Delhi, with Delhi, it was kind of a a sentimental situation. I think with the fans and the club that you know, I I know I am along with a lot of other people and that I didn't want him to go out on loan when it probably was the right decision, just because I had that feeling of he has meant so much to the club and his past performances. Like we know he has the talent and he's done it for us. Whereas within Dombele, he was still like an unproven quantity. Yeah. But I don't know, looking back on it now, it's just a bit sad that got to this point where he really had no choice, but to, you know, just leave the club so abruptly. Yeah, well, well not abrupt, I mean, look, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah, right. No, I mean, you look. You started the Delhi conversation there. Let's let's just go right into that because that's kind of the last one to cover here. And it's I think there's a reason that that I wanted to get in depth on it, kind of at the latter half here. But you know, I, I think we, it's something we all kind of knew was coming. Um, and and weirdly enough, I think that his his kind of decline at Spurs can almost be traced back to not quite the same, you know, not the, not, not quite the same spot as, as in Dombele with, with Pochettino's firing, but, but almost a little bit, um, you know, before that, when he kind of started to climb right at the tail end of that 2018 season, it felt like, and, you know, that's kind of, it's the, the most curious thing that I've been thinking about since, since we found out that Delhi was leaving, was that the fact that Tottenham's decline has kind of coincided almost with Delhi's decline? Like Tottenham really started to struggle in the league before they made that Champions League run in 2019, and Delhi's decline kind of started right at the tail end of 2018. And and it they as a whole, and we're talking like you know bird's eye view here, big picture. Tottenham haven't really been the same since they started to struggle in the league in, you know, the 2018, 2019 season, the same season that they made that champions league run and the same season that Delhi kind of started to go downhill. And that all feels to me very, I don't know. It just, it feels like they, those two have been on the same timeline and seeing all of the Delhi tributes and the videos and stuff today and seeing all of those big moments from the, you know, the goal at palace and, you know, goals against Chelsea and I guess the, the, the league cup arsenal goal, the little flick was, was kind of after that period, but most of those big moments for Delhi have come from before that period where he kind of started to fall off, you know, that, that, that early 2019, late 2018 period, most of those moments are from before that. So I don't know. It just Dakota, what, what have you felt in the last, I guess, 24 hours? Cause that's kind of the things that, that I've been going through is just realizing that Delhi is so much, not only a part of Pochettino Spurs, but also of like the post Pochettino Spurs kind of decline. I, I think what Delhi Alley represents for younger 
Spurs fans and newer Spurs fans is monumental. Um, I think that a lot of people who have su- started supporting Spurs within the last five years will say that Deli Alley is a, a core part of that. Um, honestly, for me, I did not like Deli when I first started watching Spurs. I thought he was a punk. <laughs> But then I was like, but he's our punk. I love this guy. Yeah. And, and um, I have a shirt with, with his name on it that uh, I'm going to cherish because Delhi is Delhi is that guy. And I think, um, you know, we, we think of our club motto, to dare is to do. And I don't know that a player embodied that more with their time at Spurs than Delhi Alley. Um, he was risky. He took chances. He stood up for his teammates, which he called his friends. Uh, you know, I'm reminded from that clip of him in the all or nothing Amazon documentary where he says, when I was younger, everyone told me there's no friends in football, but this team is like a family to me. And I would call all of them, my friends. And it seemed like Delhi was a glue in the locker room. Um, and about the time that he, you know, started falling off, like you said, um, it, it almost kind of seemed like those relationships did too, at least publicly. So uh, I, I, th- I think there's a lot more underneath the surface for, for Delhi rather than he just losing form. But I do know one thing. I really hope that, uh, when whoever scores on Saturday, I hope they give one of these. <laughs> Caroline, you you kind of nodded when when Dakota mentioned that a lot of fans that became fans in the last five or so years, like you know, have, grow, have obviously grown into loving this club with Delhi on it and and kind of him in that spot. And you you were nodding because that's you're you're one of those people, right? Yeah, I am. So I started following the club at the start of the 2018 season. I I had been kind of aware of Tottenham before that. Um, I was a big fan of Robbie Keane back in the day, but I had stopped watching the Premier League for a while and I decided I was going to get back into it after the World Cup. And, you know, I told myself I was just going to watch a bunch of games, get a feel for, you know, the different teams and see who I might want to support. And I almost, you know, immediately gravitated towards Tottenham. And Delhi was a huge part of that because I just loved the flair that he played with. And like Dakota said, his like daring spirit um, that really, you know, resonated with me. So it definitely, to me, this feels like I'm in like a new era of my Tottenham fandom now with him gone. Um, Cause he was kind of like one of the last players left from that 2018 season team. You know, we still got Dyer, Winks, Harry and Son. But a lot of the big names, you know, have have moved on. So it's really bittersweet. And with Delhi, like as he was starting to decline on the pitch, I found myself a little frustrated with some of his off pitch behavior as well. But it's it's still sad because he was such a talented player. And I, I do wish him the best. I hope that he's able to kick on at Everton and regain his love of football and get back to the form that we know he can be in. We're, we're certainly going to come out of that because I've got some thoughts on it. But before we do, Scott, I got to ask you, because in our group chat, when this deal was going down, I'm not saying this to be mean, but you were kind of cold about it. You were like, 
good. I'm glad Delhi's going. He needs this. We need this. You, you seemed almost like, I don't know. It, it struck me as like, you know, you were pumped about Delhi leaving and the rest of us were kind of like, whoa, Delhi's leaving. I know you came around a little bit on that and got kind of in your feels a little bit about, about it today, seeing the videos and the tributes and everything like that. But I'm really interested in that kind of first thought move into the second part for you because it took you a minute, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, my my I would say my initial reaction was like just pragmatism, which is still total polar opposite of what everyone else is feeling over this, right? So I understand that, but it was never like good riddance, fuck you, Delhi, get out of my club. Or no, anything, no, right? I'm not saying that. It wasn't. Yeah, that of course. Me. And I'm, I know you're not, but like ultimately my thing was this. Yes, he needs a move desperately. Like it's getting bad. It's, it's almost getting to like where you might not be able to play football anymore if you don't figure this out, right? Um, we can't have people like that at our club. It's right for the club, too. So, again, just really pragmatism that probably seemed very underwhelming, right? But I do have issues with Delhi off the field. A couple things that, you know, I can always forgive, but not a fan of and don't want that kind of stuff at my club regardless, right? Um, that's probably some of it, too but I wish Delhi all the best and I can certainly forgive people. And I've made pretty fucking substantial mistakes in my life. Right. And ask for forgiveness and all good, right. All love with Delhi, but it was just time. Um, and I think, you know, some of my discontent towards the end made it even easier, but I think the biggest thing for me is like, and I'm just in a little bit, maybe a different of a generation than, than, than some people too, who are a little bit newer. Right. Because like, if you ask me who's my favorite Spurs player of all time, Andres Townsend, no, no question. Like, without question right it's like it's that group for me and it's that group that never was achieving and was close right so like i'm really tied to a lot of these guys who gave everything and just bled for this badge and just said look i've given every ounce of me and i can't give anymore and it, we just knew it wasn't enough right those are the guys that i'm really drawn to um but when i saw the videos and things like that i think for me it stoked a lot of just memories with pot right because i Pochettino is one of my favorite human beings, period, out soccer, non-soccer, whatever. Like, he's an amazing person, right? And it brought back a lot of that, mem those memories for me and that feeling that the fans were part of the club under Poch that you very rarely get, you know? Like, I don't feel as connected to the club as I do under Poch, and I didn't feel this way before Poch, or I felt this way before Poch, too, right? It's not so much that I've lost my love of football, I just – or have lost any part of my love of football. It's just Poch was different, right? It was a different thing. Um, but yeah, so I think ultimately, um, you know, it was really hard for me when, when, um, when Townsend left, it was really hard for me actually when Erickson left, um, that was a really tough day for me. Um, but I look at a guy like Delhi too. And I just, I think to Dakota's point, I almost don't know if he loves football as much as we all want him to love football. And I say that because his decline really coincided with him not really being a boy anymore and like becoming a man and becoming famous and being on the cover of FIFA and being lined up with $150 million moves to Real Madrid and Barcelona to go play with Messi, like legitimately probably going to gone and played with Messi right at a certain time. So I think that was really hard for him. Um, he didn't handle that well, for sure. It led to some poor choices off the field, I think. He really didn't handle that rise to stardom in rapid fashion very well. 
losing Pochettino, you no longer have your father figure to guide you through that rapid rise to, to stardom, you know, and fame. Um, and I think he just realized that there's that he might have passion, you know, beyond football someday too. And, and maybe, you know, I think things just change. So I think Dakota's spot on. It's a lot more than just like a loss of form. I think a lot of it is his personal life decisions. Um, but ultimately, like we he his his goal turnout was fantastic. You know, I think in his first 68 games, he scored like 48 goals. Or sorry, was involved in 48 goals and goals in some capacity, right? Be a goals or assists and just incredible. I mean, no one, no one will ever come close to those numbers as a midfielder for decades. Like what he did was special. Um but uh, but yeah, it's just not there anymore, and so it's time. Goodbye. I wish you wish him all the best at Everton. Right, it was wonderful to have him around the club. But I think you know what Delhi represents. He's the final piece of it, but all that's been long gone, right? So I think this is more just nostalgia than anything for anybody because we know he's not giving us anything on the pitch, right? We we obviously know that um, you know that the relationship with Pochettino was was everything. I mean, he 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 included Pochettino as like a special shout out in his. Yeah kind of a goodbye message uh, that he posted on his social media. So like that, that's an obvious, you know, an obvious one to point out. It's so interesting. You mentioned the, the, the goal and assist output too, that he had that, that, as I mentioned, kind of started to decline toward the tail end of that 2018 uh, calendar year, 2019, you know, getting into that right before Spurs ironically went on this champions league run, uh, a champions league run that he had a massive part in it, A lot of people forget. He's the one that flicked on Lucas for, for that third goal in Amsterdam. Like, you know, it's not like he was playing horrifically. He just, that's kind of when it all started to slowly go downhill um, well, and, from a, and, you know, at least from a goal scoring and, and goal contribution output. Yeah. And, and what I'm about to say, I, I say carefully because I don't want to take anything away from Delhi, but you know, you come from League One. Um, when we signed Delhi, I guarantee you everybody on Twitter was saying, "What the fuck are we doing? We can't. We have to have more ambition than this. We can't be going after like these young players." Blah blah blah. Right? We all know how that looks. But we came from League One, banged on out of nowhere. Poch leaves, disappears completely. A lot. I'm just gonna say this. A lot of his success probably had to do with what was around him a very special manager who was very invested in his growth, a very talented, uh, like I'm telling you guys, Christian Erickson was so important in anybody's success. Like Kane, Delhi, son, no, without Erickson doesn't fucking happen. Right. So Erickson, Pochettino, Harry Kane coming out of nowhere and banging goals with a blindfold on for fun off of Delhi's foot assist is what I'm getting at. Like all these things, it's just a perfect storm that allows Delhi to rise and then that's gone. And it's not, it can't be a coincidence that Poch leaves and then boom. It's so it's the relationship, but it's also what's happening on you around the field. Like what I'm saying is Delhi might not be as good as what we saw for two years, right? It might have just been a perfect storm. So so what you're alluding to is actually why I think he's in real trouble going to a club like Everton. Um, and I don't think that this is going to just be the 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 Delhi Sans under a new manager who who it seems wanted him and 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 cared enough to 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 bring him there in Frank Lampard. But I, I'm nervous that Delhi is a player who makes good teams better, not who can make a bad team good. Um, and I think that that's yeah. 
I think that's where he was with Spurs is, is kind of what you're saying. Like he was surrounded by players like Erickson, like Kane, like Youngman son, who ironically enough, when Youngman son kind of emerged at Spurs, that's kind of what, what caused Delhi to take a backseat because he started yeah. having to play a little bit deeper to make room for son up front, totally. which is, 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 is kind of, you know, a strange way to look at it, but son almost kind of killed Delhi's goal and assist output by taking it over himself. And Delhi didn't really adjust or thrive to moving back further on the pitch but i think him going to everton a team that is just a shambles right now it doesn't make me feel good about his prospects to you know suddenly drag them into something something more relevant or you know the 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 mid to upper table level club that they would want to be um you know i think that he needs to be surrounded by you know the 2017 2018 erickson kane sons of the world um in order to thrive and thrive he did and credit to him for that but uh, that's what makes me really nervous about this move for him especially when they sign a player like donny van who seems to do i don't know not, they're not the same player but like those are at least similar positions that you know I, seems like that's a kind of a weird buy, two two buys for Everton to make. But this isn't an Everton podcast. But and especially, especially when our fee is determined based on Delhi's performances and Everton's performances. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we will just take our twelve million. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the other funny thing about that is, like, I, when it comes to Delhi, and I think I think Scott, I think you mentioned this earlier, like he. He he could have probably been sold for a much bigger number than Spurs are going to end up getting for him. I think a lot of that kind of goes out the window for a player like Delhi with me. Um, it's it, I you know you mentioned it really you really felt it when Townsend left and when Erickson left. I I feel similarly about players like Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Um, I'm gonna feel that I felt kind of even that way when Danny Rose finally departed the club. Like he was kind of part of that group as well. Um, there's a lot of players kind of from this era that. You know, I, I saw a graphic today of like the 2017 starting 11, and I think it's three of those players are now left uh, even in the club. And it's mm. like, yeah, that's that's kind of how it's supposed to go in football. Like you're supposed to be able to refresh your club s- six years later. Um, but it is yeah, kind of one of really those quick, things dude. that, you know, Delhi's gone and it's like, wow, Delhi's gone. It, it's it, you come to grasp with it. Yeah. I got to give a shout out to Mason too, because that one broke my heart. Mason and Holby were two were two transfers that really hurt me too. Mason was rough. That one was made me really sad. Holby, I just I love that little that little guy. He was just an he was just a little flea. Is he still in Germany somewhere? Like in the third division, I think. But no, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just reminiscing, right? Sorry, I just totally derailed you. Yeah, you get a you got it. You got to get out of your feels, man, because it's a new it's a new era, and Delhi leaving is the is the stamp on that. But you know what? Have turned. I I feel a little optimistic after this window closing, just because it does feel like Conte is trying to tighten up the squad. I think they'll be more unified, and it could be a good way for us to kick on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I I certainly think there's a chance of that. Um, You know, and obviously. The other thing that I'll say, and I think I might have even said this on Sunday, um, but, you know, days run together. 
uh, podcasts run together, all of these things run together. You know, there's a lot of people out there in the Twitterverse who just want to bitch and moan because they don't think that Spurs did enough. And they look at the outs and they look at the ins and they do a little bit of quick math to themselves and they say, oh, we sold uh, four first team players and only bought two. That's a that's a negative two there. But, <coughs> you know, the four players that, that, that were outgoing were not really playing that much. So, like... <laughs> I, I don't really see it as a numbers game loss overall. I, I don't know. I just know that that's going to be brought up and I wanted to address that kind of thing. And can I just note that Everton are the only team in the Premier League that brought in more players than they let out? Just FYI. I think that is that tr- Newcastle didn't as well. It might, it might be Newcastle had an even number. Okay. I think I didn't realize, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't realize Newcastle had that many outgoings, but I know they had a handful of incomings. So, Mm. Um, yeah, I read something today. I can't remember what website it was on, uh, and I'm not going to give them a free shout out e- uh, either. Um, but uh, I think they had Spurs as like the seventh ranked best uh, January window in the Premier League, which I always think those kinds of things are silly because you're ranking a you know a window uh, 12 hours after it's finished. But for what it's worth, it's not like uh, people are you know at least in the national eye or the international. Uh, uh, media people are not shitting on this window for Tottenham. Like they're they're saying, hey, pretty good job of of clearing out what needed to be cleared, and um, you know, picking up a couple of good players along the way. However, however that was done, and again, I'm going to remain, you know, paratishy curious until proven otherwise, and I'm happy to be proven otherwise. Yeah, um, and 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 I'll just add one thing to that too, just to, to close out like the grading of the window. Right, it's so <laughs> important to remind people the outgoings. Dakota got to it earlier. I'll just piggyback off of this, right? If you don't handle outgoings correctly and you don't bring in fees for these players, your club will fold eventually. <laughs> like, seriously, it's a, it's a fucking real thing. Like, you have to get your outs correctly, get, get your outs done correctly. We did a great job of that. Like, if you look at Barcelona, if you look at Arsenal, like, not handling your outs correctly will fucking burn your club to the ground. Good job, Levy. Good job, Pratichi. Everybody on Twitter, just shut her down for a while. Shut the Twitter account down. I'll see you guys on Saturday for the FA Cup. Come on, you <laughs> fucking Spurs. Well, it, here's the other thing. I, I don't think anyone expected that by the end of the January 2022 transfer window, Harry Winks would be the last midfielder standing. Like, you know, how did he fucking outlast Indombele Lasolto and Delhi, who went to Everton, which is where we were going to sell Winks to? Uh, not too long ago, like what, what the hell? Like that's just Dude, I don't know. With the Davies approach, just become best buds with the manager, and you're fucking golden. You'll be at the club for a decade. Yeah, he's working on seven years now. I think the guy's been at Tottenham or something. Like I think that. it might even be. Yeah, it's got to be close to that because I think yeah. Hugo Hugo is the longest or something, and he's yeah. one of our own. That's another one, by the way. To note as we kind of wrap up January is that not only the two incomings. But Hugo's contract getting done is it's not an incoming and I'm not going to make that dumb comparison, but it is a big deal that they got something like that done uh, within the last month as well and kind of at least solidified that for the near term future. Um, so I, I'll just shout that, you know, we t- we've talked about Hugo on previous podcasts and talked about the deal when it got done. So um, we won't belabor that point before we get out of here. Did want to just bring up the the situation that we didn't talk about on Sunday that kind of got uh, mostly brushed under the rug during this last week with Spurs and the transfers and everything. And that's the Ollie Tanner situation, the non-league player that Spurs were supposed to allegedly sign and then did not. Um, 
came to light that there were some um, pretty bad tweets from from Ali Tanner when he was a was a kid. He was, um, you know, I think fifteen. Uh, he's, uh, I think, eighteen or nineteen now, uh, something like that. And I just wanted to say that the whole situation kind of sucked in general to even talk about. It, it sucks having to, you know, it sucks having to to hash this stuff out and and you know debate what a kid should be responsible for and what what a club should be responsible for finding out about a kid. Apparently he's a big Arsenal fan too. And it's like, I, I don't know what the policy should be for, for the club on, you know, if they're going to get kids that, uh, you know, have, have tweeted pro Arsenal stuff in the past or have tweeted disparaging remarks about one of your own players. I don't know what the policy is. The only policy I know is that the piling on and the bullying of this kid for whatever he did, was kind of ridiculous and Spurs fans, I think once again showed their ass on social media, which is something that I know all football fans do, but I pay attention to a lot of Spurs fans and they seem to show their ass a lot. Um, and I just thought that that was kind of icky and it made me uncomfortable. And I just wanted to shout it out. I know we, we kind of, as a group had a little bit of a chat about this uh, in our group chat yesterday and how kind of awkward it all was and went down, but I just kind of wanted to get that off my chest and say, none of it's good, but you know, at least what, what we as a, as a collective of Spurs fans can control is maybe not, not bullying someone and not, you know, attacking someone online for something that they said previously. Um, even if it, was kind of despicable and gross. I do think you uh, bring up a good, good point though, that clubs really have to start doing their due diligence when it comes to transfers um, that they're considering. We saw a much more serious example um, in the NWSL after the draft, Uh, the Portland Thorns had drafted a player who had been, you know, openly transphobic, racist, you know, things that go completely against their club's values. And they're having a real crisis now with their supporters groups, you know, basically saying this doesn't reflect our values and it can become a huge problem. And yeah, I just think they might want to start considering that they need to have an actual policy um, in place for, for scouting. Yeah, and if I can just add to really quick. Sorry, I'm, t- I'm, I'm talking a lot. I, I, I had a beer and, and I, I'm feeling it. But, <laughs> but it's Caroline's spot on. The thing that, that clubs are going to have to start realizing is fans call the shots. I mean, they honestly do. And it's fucking scary because if you look at it, we kick a two-so to the curb. Good riddance. The guy's a douche. Um, I'm glad we did, right? Sorry, I don't want to call anyone I don't know a douche, but it appears that he's not someone I'd want at my club. Let me rephrase myself, right? Um, good job to the fans there, right? This whole thing with this kid, I don't know if enough about it to even say anything. I'm just going to leave it at that, right? Um, but ultimately, fans will tell clubs what needs to happen. Money talks, and we live in a world where you can deliver your message to the board pretty quickly, right? Um and it's something that clubs are going to have to adjust. And you even talk about Alex Ferguson. He's like, I couldn't even manage right now because it's a whole different world. Like, I can't yeah. control the locker room. I can't control the narrative. I can't make sure my players aren't on Twitter five minutes after I tell them something that can't ever be repeated. You know, like, it's just, he's like, I don't even, I couldn't, wouldn't even want to do it anymore. You know, um, managers are not even, they're not the main managers they used to be. Right. They're like, I don't know. It's it's different, right? So football's yeah, a lot of it's a lot of it's tactical and and those kinds of things now, rather than rather than 
personality based. I mean, we, we hear about that in, in baseball and in football over here, you know, American football as well. Um, it's, we hear about those kinds of changes with all kind of players. It's, it's interesting. You brought up the Gattuso situation because I do, I agree. I think that that's that fans have a, a, a great ability to voice their opinion on something and be heard. And I think that that's great in certain aspects. And with the Gattuso thing, it was important because you're talking about a, a, a grown man who has said things and done things and, and spouted beliefs that he's stood behind. This situation to me is a little different when you're talking about a kid who probably said something stupid and, and really quite offensive to some people and, and, and shouldn't have said it for sure. But we're, we're, we're almost judging a decision that was made by a kid a couple of years ago where we've never really heard any follow-up for that. I mean, if, I mean, if he's going to stand behind what he said and, and, and tweeted and, and, and did, that's one thing, but we haven't really heard any follow-up on that or any, uh, you know, e- even given someone like that, the chance to, to, to make amends or make an apology with Katuso, it's different. And I, I get like, I get that why a fan revolt in that case would be, you know, warranted in this case to me, no, nah, that, that, that wasn't it for me. You know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't necessary to, to go after and attack a kid for something he said when he didn't even really like have a chance at all to apologize or defend whatever he was going to do. Like I would like, you know, I'm not, I'm not really saying I need to hear from the kid either. I'm just saying like, there was no, there was no given for that. No, no, no space given for that. Yeah. He, um he absolutely shouldn't have said what he said. Shouldn't have done what he done. He needs to own up up to that and we as people need to be a little bit more kinder to the people who are around us um and at the end of the day this is what happened fans on the internet bullied a kid a 19 year old kid who's playing in non-league football to turn down an offer from a premier league club which would have put him into a position to change his life and his kids' lives, and their kids' lives, and he didn't feel safe enough to say yes to that opportunity. And that's wrong. So, yes, what he did was wrong. And we as people, as in general, need to be a little kinder to the people who are standing next to us. Yeah, both things are true. And, and I think I will just add on to that. Kind of a missed opportunity for the club you know, and this is kind of what I'm getting at when I say clubs are going to have to, to venture into this brave new world, right? Like opportunity to even like get your PR team, have Harry Kane put out a quick video. Like, yes, what he said, it was horrible. I'm willing to forgive a human being. Ollie and I have spoken whatever, even if it was a quick text, I don't care. Like people make mistakes. I'm willing to have a conversation with him. He's a great footballer, you know, let's move on. Like the club could have actually done that and, it would have been a really cool, good look. Right. And I think those are the things that the clubs are clubs are going to have to start doing. Like we have to be more transparent in the world we live in because everything will be exposed, like get ahead of it. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's a missed opportunity by Tottenham, I think too. I think Scott, you're right in saying that because clubs have to realize that they bring together groups of people as fans and they do have an influence over how those fans behave mm-hmm. and and they should have an influence. I think it, it doesn't just come down to like, you know, this situation, but also matters of like, you know, the anti-racism campaigns that clubs have done, um, you know, um, 
anti-sexism. It There's a lot of ways that clubs can have a positive influence in their communities. And I think part of that is recognizing that their fans can often gang up on people and, you know, they're, they're doing that not in an official capacity, like representing the club, but, you know, unofficially, like you, you would look down on a fan base, for example, that was known for being anti-Semitic. I won't name the fan base, but, you know, um, I don't have to say it, but that's, you know, we all perceive but, but, certain right, fan but we bases know exactly, certain ways. We know yeah. exactly who so, you're referring to. Right. And so yeah. we could say that that club who we're not going to name um, could be doing a much better job of, of, controlling their fans and encouraging their fans to be better people. That's all I'm going to say. I, I've been thinking about this a lot this week because of the, um, the incident with Mason Greenwood and just yeah. the pervasiveness of like rape culture in football fandom. It can be really upsetting. So I do think clubs have a big responsibility to do better on these issues. No, I, 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 think, well you're, I think you're spot on Caroline. And I, I appreciate you saying that, um, you know, it, it these are difficult situations, and I think you're right. I think clubs can can do a better job of of help helping to guide their own supporters groups through through all of it uh, in a in a more proper way. I think that's I think that's spot on. Um, I I also think it's just important to say that like, you know, I, I don't think that this this kid um, decided not to come to Tottenham just because you know he got bullied. I think you know I think that was some of the reports that were out there. I think it's. I think it's just a deal that didn't get done and didn't didn't go through and something that the, maybe the maybe all parties decided mutually it just wasn't for the best but you know I think the club had a part in that as well but um I, I just would like to see everyone be a little better which is I think what we're all yeah. hoping and striving to do uh in the long run so and hopefully the situation did get out of hand yeah I totally yeah. agree on that yeah it did it escalated quickly and it got out of hand um I think we can all hope that just, you know, that Spurs got a little better this transfer window. Before we do get out of here, Caroline, do you want to let us know what happened with the Spurs women transfers and, and their unfortunate um, last result, which we kind of, I guess, we'll have to mention as well? Oh, yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> but starting with the transfer window, um, we did not bring in a forward, as I was really hoping for, but we did strengthen in defense. Um, it's kind of hilarious. We did a loan deal with Arsenal, which you would – never see happen on the men's side. Um, but we brought in uh, Victoria Schnatterbeck from Arsenal. Apparently she can be quite versatile. She can play as a center back or as a defensive midfielder. So that can only be a positive. Uh, we also brought in an attacking midfielder, Evelina Sumanen. Uh, she is from Finland, just like Korpola. So she'll, you know, be able to bed in nicely to the club uh, with Korpola by her side. And I'm really excited to see both of them play. They actually got their first minutes um, with Spurs in our FA Cup game, but it was not streamed anywhere, so I did not get to witness it. <laughs> um, and unfortunately, you know, we really let that game uh, get away from us. We were leading 1-0, I think, up until about the 80-something minute, and Leicester equalized, and... We went into extra time. They got a goal fairly early in extra time, and we just couldn't get back into it. it. It sounds like we were trying to get back on the attack to get that equalizer, and that was when they got their third goal that was the decider. So unfortunately, we are out of the FA Cup, but we have to just brush it off because we have the um, League Cup semifinal on Thursday, and that's against Manchester City. So that's going to be an absolutely massive game. 
Uh, there's a chance that we might have a couple of our players who were in the Women's Asian Cup um, back in contention because, unfortunately, Australia were knocked out, so Kaya Simon will be back. And, um, oh gosh, who else was it? Actually, she might be the only one because China's still in it. Never mind. <laughs> but Kaya will be back. <laughs> well, that sounds good. We got that to look forward to Thursday. Uh, there's also, of course, the men's FA Cup game on Saturday mm-hmm. against Brighton. Uh, so we've got football back. I mean, I know we're all going to be, mm. well, Caroline, Caroline's not so much the, uh, a U.S. men's national team fan, but, but we, we forgive her for that, but we've got U.S. men's national team on Wednesday in their final, uh, world cup qualifying match. And then, uh, Spurs women Thursday and, uh, Spurs men back Saturday for Brighton in the FA cup. So, um, a lot to look forward to with football coming back, which is kind of fun. And now that the window is, you know, firmly slammed shut as the cliche goes. Um, we have been, uh, you know, the dust is settled. We're picking it up. That's what we've done here on this podcast. We're, we're ready to get back into the football side of things. And we're going to do that uh, when we are back to you at the weekend uh, following the Brighton match. So uh, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast for Scott, who is at DSM Spurs. Dakota is at Dakota J Booth. Caroline is at CG Stefko. Uh, I am at a Stetka. We will talk to you at the weekend. Until then, as always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot. And as always, come on, you Spurs.